Church, I know you desire to experience the so great salvation that God has for us. I know you desire to possess the abundant life that Jesus Christ has called you to. The question is, do you know, do you want it bad enough to discover how to control the flow of power in and out of your life? Well, I'm going to share that with you in today's episode of The Faith Life. Hey, what's up, church? It is your dear brother, Damaris Johnson, and welcome to another podcast of The Faith Life where I share with you the keys, the methodologies, and the principles that God has left for us from his word so that we can possess the abundant life that Jesus Christ came and died for us to possess. Remember, we're going to possess it by faith. So declare this with me. Say, I will live by faith. In today's podcast, church, we're going to explore the process that we've been given in order for us to possess the abundant life that Christ Jesus came and died for us to have. Died, resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father, the whole aspect of the finished work of Christ. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, read from Romans, the first chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 10. In these verses, we're going to find that we have full control. And I know that's challenging to the religious culture of today. I know we have full control of how this power flows in and out of our lives. It's up to us, church. It is not up to God. I know we've dealt with that in several podcasts before that we are of religion will have you, the religious culture, I should say, will have you of the notion that God is in complete control of everything that happens in the earth. And I'm sorry, the Bible don't teach that. And neither should we believe that. Because the finished work means exactly that. Jesus is seated. He's rested at the right hand of the man. He ain't working things no more. He's fulfilled his ministry. He's fulfilled his calling. We call it the finished work of Christ. We have to believe that. And we're going to see how religion will try to to, um, bring Christ down and try to raise Christ up from the dead again as if that work has not been finished. But we've... We All we need to do is believe and then have the actions associated with believing incorporated into our everyday life. And that's how we control, and that's how we'll see how we, we are in control of the, of the power of, that flows in and, out of, in and out of our lives. So I want to start by reading um, from 2 Corinthians, actually. I want to start by reading 2 Corinthians. I want to establish this truth in your heart. And then we'll go on to Romans, the 10th chapter, um, verses 1 through 10. In 2 Corinthians, the 2nd chapter, verse 14, I want to read this verse of Scripture. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. I I want to establish in your heart the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph. That word triumph there, it means, it means to, to make a acclamatory procession. It means to conquer. It means to give the victory or to cause to triumph over. We can always rest assured that we will be victorious, church. Say that with me. Say, I will be victorious. 
I will overcome. We can rest assured that every fight, every battle, that no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what happens, that I will find a way to overcome. God is always trying to give me the solution to my circumstance. He's always trying to show me how to overcome this particular circumstance. He's always trying to lead me or guide me into the victory over this particular challenge. I will be victorious. That is the mindset of a conqueror. No matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes, no matter how hard I got to work, I will be victorious. This is how we have to start life. This is where we live life. This is how we have to start every endeavor that God has leads us down. I will be victorious. Even in the face of apparent defeat, I got to still be willing to declare, I will be victorious. This is the life that God has called us to. This is where we're going. This is how we believe. This is our faith. We will overcome. That's where you got to start your life from, church. That's where you got to start believing from, church. You got to start from this perspective. If you start from anywhere else, you won't make it. We got to be bold. We got to be confident that we will be triumphant. Paul said, thanks be unto God, my God. We know everything that Paul has been. He said, thanks be unto my God. Man. Thanks be unto my God, which always, always, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Man. Two things that, that, that your life should exemplify. A life of victory. A life of overcoming. And listen, that don't mean you won't get knocked down. That don't mean, listen, Jesus was in the grave for three days. Folks thought it was over with. Folks thought ain't no way he coming back from that. Where your Lord at now? Man, but on that third day, he came up out of that thing. He came up out of that grave. What, his body wasn't, didn't even smell of death. Had no simile, had no, had no simile. Didn't even, didn't even look like he was in the grave. It was a glorious body, resurrected by the power of God. Paul said, now thanks be unto God, which always, always caused us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And he make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. See, it's through the knowledge of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus that we are victorious. If we don't, listen, if we don't believe that thing, if we don't get that thing down in our spirit, we don't get that, uh, forgive me for calling it a thing, but that revelation knowledge of, of our victory in Christ Jesus, man, then we, we're going to find it very hard. It'll be very difficult for us to walk in the victory that, that Romans, um, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 10 reveals to us. It's going to be very difficult. So we must start from this place, church. We must start from the place of victory. We always got to start from victory. We don't start from defeat. We start from victory. We start from victory. Say, I will start from victory. And the victory is, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you're a victory. In Christ Jesus, you have the victory. In Christ Jesus, you're a victor. In Christ Jesus, you're a conqueror. In Christ Jesus, you're an overcomer. In Christ Jesus, you're more than a conqueror, actually. In Christ Jesus, we win. And that's where we have to start from. We have to start from that. And, and now, now that we start from that place, the next step, the next step in us transitioning from, from the block, so coming out of a block. So I'll use the example of a, track, of, a, of a track runner. They start off in the blocks. And the start is crucial. Being a former track athlete myself, the start is crucial to you winning the race. If my start is off, I'm going to have a very hard time recovering to win the race, especially as my competition gets better. But as, a, as if my start is off, listen, when you think about Olympic athletes, 
if they start off, if their starters off just a little bit, they can forget about it because those athletes are so fast. It's 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 one hundredths of a second separate them at times. And if the start ain't right, they're gonna lose the race nine times out of ten. So the start is crucial. So now once they start right, they have to transition. They go it's, 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 they break it down in, in three phases. It's 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 accelerated phase, then it's the mid flight, then it's the top flight phase. And they accelerate, they accelerate, they accelerate. Now they go from they go from the start phase to the acceleration phase. From the acceleration phase to the mid-flight phase. And then they go from the mid-flight phase to the top flight phase. And once they go through those three phases, now if they go through those three phases, according, according to how they practice, according to how they've trained, then nine times out of ten, they'll run the race. They'll run a good race, they'll run, they'll run good enough to win. The point in sharing that is. Now that we have the right starting point, now that we start from victory, we don't, we don't start from defeat and we try to work our way to victory. We start from victory and we, fin- we carry out. We carry out that victory. And that victory, that victory has a, has a process. And to carry out that victory, we have, we have, there's a process that we have to go through. And I want to share one particular process in Romans the 10th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, very, very familiar, but very powerful passage of scripture that that I want to go through and just bring out some things that share with you and that show you that we are we are the ones that are in control of how it is and what it is that we are able to do in Christ Jesus. So in Romans the the uh, tenth chapter, and we'll start at verse one. Paul is writing to a people that he's been longing to write to. He said, as much as in me is, I want to get to you guys. He said, I, I want to impart unto you some of this stuff God has put inside of me. I want to I impart this spiritual gift that God has gave me, this power, this revelation. I want to I I impart some of this to you. He says, as much as in me is, I'm coming. He said, I'm going to find a way to get to you. Paul had a desire to get to them. And then so he, uh, he, he as he broke down Romans, you know, 1 through 3 and 3 through 6. And now he's always made his way already to Romans, the 10th chapter. And he, he says in verse 1, he says, brethren. He says, brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Is that they might be saved. See, in every heart, in every, in every true believer heart, that the desire, the desire for Israel and the desire for mankind to be saved. There's a true desire. And Paul is speaking to the desire for us to experience the goodness that God has for us. He's speaking to us uh, the desire that we have to possess the abundant life that God has for us. He's speaking to us of the desire that we have to live the life of faith that God has called us to live. He says, the, he says that my prayer to God, my desire, my desire. And that word desire is a strong, the strongest, the strongest emotion that you can possibly have to want to do something. He says, not, he, says, he says, that thing is so strong in me, I pray to God. See, see th- there it is. There's a key. There's a key to the methodology of getting your prayers heard. Is the desire has to be so great that it that it pushes you to prayer. It's not it's not that I don't uh, that I don't have a, a a discipline to pray. But man, I, I can get to the point where I want something so bad that my the emotional aspect of it is yearning, is burning so strong down inside of me that I'm pushed to pray. And to see this thing come to pass in my life, he says, my prayer is to, for Israel to be saved. Every believer should have a desire to experience the fivefold dimensions of salvation. Every, every believer wants to experience the protection and the healing and the, pers- and the, and the pers- perseverance and the, I'm sorry, and the preserving and, the, and, and, and being made to prosper and, and being made whole. Every believer wants to experience those fivefold dimensions of salvation, of that word soterio, which we get from the word soter, which speaks to the designer, a deliverer, a savior, 
It says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. How many, how many believers we see with a zeal? They have a zeal for God. They have a desire to say, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. You got well-meaning believers who love God, who, who yearn for God, who want to see God. I'm talking about worship to the sun, to the cows. Come on, worship to the, from sun up to sundown. I'm talking about love the Lord. I'm talking about, I'm talking about spend, come to service, faithful to the service, faithful with their tithe, faithful to, to fellowship with the brethren. I'm talking about faithful as faithful can be. They have a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. See, there is a level of knowledge that we must attain, that we must have if we're going to experience the fullness of God's salvation. You can't get around it. We can't get around it, saints. We have to have a revelation knowledge. We have to have the how-to knowledge of experiencing salvation. The work is finished. Jesus already done it. When you read Paul's prayers, it's always about, Lord, fill them with the knowledge of thy will. Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in them richly unto all wisdom. Lord, give them a word. Give them, fill them with wisdom and knowledge. We need wisdom and knowledge to experience the great salvation and to be the church God has called us to be. It's not just going to happen by osmosis. God is not in control of everything that happens in your life. I know we sing it. I know we say it. I know religions, religion uh, perpetuates it uh, 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 constantly. But God is not in control of everything that happens in your life. That's why he gave you a will. He gave Adam dominion. Read the psalm over the works of his hands. In his sovereignty, he's chosen to give you the liberty to choose. Not just the liberty, but the right to choose. And we got to understand that. we got to come to grips with that. we got to know God and believe God as Jesus revealed him. As the word of God revealed him, not as religious culture. And unsaved monks and priests has revealed him to us. We have to believe God as Jesus has to be the starting point for your theology. And Jesus has to be the ending point for your theology of who God is, how God functions. How God responds to his, pe his man and his people. How God does what, what he desires to do. When God does what he desires to do. What it is that moves God. Or what it is that ca causes God to do nothing, in a, for lack of a better term. We have to understand those things. We have to know those things. We have to know what's our responsibility and what's Holy Spirit's responsibility. We have to know what God has done and what we must do. This is, all, this, is all a part of your, this is all a part of your discipleship process. This is all a part of us growing in grace and in the knowledge of God. The Bible says in Peter, listen, grace and peace is multiplied. How? Through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace is multiplied. See, you want grace and peace just to be multiplied just because, oh, Lord, I love you, and, and Lord, thank you, and, and the grace of God. See, I'm getting tired of it. People coming to me hurt desperate and blaming God for their situation because somebody done taught them that all you got to do is just, you know, whatever they teach them. No. Oh, don't worry about it. God is in control. They fired you off their job and you don't have no money coming in to pay your bills, but God is in control. They just said you got cancer and 
and you got six months to live, but but no worry. Just 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 God is in control. Just take it. Foolishness. Listen. I'm about to show you. We're in control of the power. We're in control of the power. Paul said this. He said, he said, they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. And here's what happens when a person who's zealous for God, but they don't have no knowledge. Because of their ignorance, that means not to know. Because they don't know better, they go about to try to do it in their way and in, in their mind. It's, it's a natural progression. As it says here, it says, for they, speaking of the nation, specifically to the nation of Israel, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and go about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So what that says is this. Because we don't know how to possess and live life by faith, we then going to go about to live life the way we want to live it. Therefore, we don't submit ourselves to living life by the methodologies, the principles, and the keys that lead us to possessing the faith life. And therefore, we miss out. See how that works. Because we don't pursue Father through his word, because we don't put ourselves under, under prophetic instruction, because we don't put ourselves in a situation to hear a word that, that's going to strengthen my faith and allow me to access the grace and enter the salvation that is great for me, I then remain ignorant of those things. I'm going to get to the point because I'm zealous for Father now. I'm zealous for the things of God, but I'm going to then go about to try to fight, figure out how to get them things on my own. When I do that, I put myself in a situation where I'm no longer submitted to the righteousness of God or the way of God, but I'm submitted to my way. Therefore, I set myself aside from what it is that God has for me. Paul says, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, that's not the right way. He said, not the, that, that's not the right way. He says, he says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone to believe it. Then, then he goes into him saying, for, for what Moses described the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Once you enter into the law, it's a whirlwind. It sucks you in. Once you begin to live by, live by uh, legalism, it'll suck you in. And everything you do, you, you end up, you know, trying to do good to be right. When that's not how it works. We do good because we are right. It says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Then Paul, I mean, then Paul goes into saying what the righteousness of faith does not say before he tells you what the righteousness of faith says. It says, the righteousness of faith does not say this. It does not say, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Um, essentially what Paul is saying here is the work is already finished. Christ don't need to come back down and go through, and go through the, the, the burial, death, uh, the crucifixion and the death and, and the burial process again. And make his way back up to heaven so that we can have salvation. He said, that's already done. He says, that, that's what religion say. Religion, listen, religion don't believe or don't entrust themselves to the finished work. Religion, the religious culture tells you uh, not directly but subliminally that there's more work left to be done. When they, when they say stuff like this, when they, when they say subtle things like this, well, if you don't do this, then... Um, you know, you ain't saved. You know, if you don't, if you don't, listen, if you don't pay your tithe, then, you know, um, you're going to hell. You know, if, if listen, if you want to get your auntie out of, out of purgatory, then you could, you pay me this amount of money, and, you know. So, so it says stuff like that. You know, religion, religion will have you to thinking that there's still work, something to do other than believing, other than believing, 
other than believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, who shall ascend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again. In other words, the work is finished, okay? And we got to believe in the finished work. We got to trust in the finished work. We got to show that ourselves, that, I, that my, my full confidence is in the finished work of Christ, that Christ has died for my sin, his blood was shed, that I might be forgiven, and I just got to believe it. Once I believe in that, once I believe in that manner, now I can go move forward into the power. Oh, glory be to God. I can move forward into the power that God has for us. I can now, now once Paul had said to us what, what, what religion would think and how religion thinks and what religion would have us to say, he then goes into, he then now goes into what it is that faith says. And this brings me to the, the title of my, my, my pod, the podcast today is Faith Has Something to Say. Faith has something to say. Yes, it does. Faith has something to say. What is it that faith says? It says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And that's a powerful verse of Scripture there, church. It says, but what saith faith? In other words, the voice of faith says this. It says, it says, the work is finished. That's what the voice of faith says. The voice of religion will have you saying, well, there's other things you need to do. But, but, but the word of faith says the finished work of salvation is done. The ability to be protected, to be healed, to be preserved, to make to do well, to be made whole is finished. All, all we got to do is believe and take action. Believe and take action. Believe and take action. The actions are believing. The actions are believing. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy, I'm sorry, but what said, that word is nigh thee. That, that phrase nigh thee is a powerful phrase. Listen, that, that, that's the phrase right there. It says the word, listen, the word is with you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. So that phrase the word is nigh thee in that mouth and that heart. That word, that word, that nigh thee, that phrase nigh thee, it means to squeeze out. It means to push forth. It means to push out, right? So the idea is that there's a power inside of us. See, when you believe in the finished work of Christ, you receive resurrection life down the inside of you. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now quickens our spirit and quickens us to do things and quickens us to know things and quickens us to act. The same power, the same resurrection life that, that raised Jesus from the dead is now down on the inside of us. It says you are in control. You can now push out that power. That's one of the words. There's another word that describes it. Means, it means to throttle. It means a throttle. And if you know anything about cars, if you know anything about engines, then you understand what this word throttle means. It means to control the flow of fuel or power to an engine. So what, what is it saying here? What is the scripture saying to us? The scripture says, listen, listen, don't say, don't say the work ain't finished. The work is finished. He says, but here is how we walk in the power of the finished work of Christ. Here is how we activate the power of the finished work of Christ. It says, it says, the word is nigh thee. The revelation knowledge, that word is rhema, the revelation knowledge, the power of God to live life is nigh thee, is in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is a word that declares the faith of what we believe is right in your belly. What we need and we control the power of God with the words of our mouth. We control. So, so Paul laid the foundation. He said, listen, the word is not the, the ability to squeeze out, the ability to control the flow of power is in your mouth because you believe it. 
the ability to push out, the ability to control how the power flows in and out of your circumstance, it starts with what you believe and what you say. Verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess, he goes on to explain now how to release this power. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt experience being protected. Thou shalt experience being healed. Thou shalt experience being preserved. Thou shalt experience being made to do well. Thou shalt experience being made whole. Because we have the power flowing in our bellies, flowing through our mouth and into our lives. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Therein lies our ability to control the flow of the power of God in and out of our life, church. We have the control, church. We are in control, church. We have the control to experience, to experience our so great a salvation. That word confessed there, I want to go back. That word brings out a kingly kingdom activity it means to make a royal decree remember he is the king of kings and the lord of lords i am a king and i am a lord and i have the ability to decree royally what it is that i believe that word confess means to royally decree it means to make an assent to that which is true I believe what the finished work of Christ says about me. I believe what the Word of God says about me. I believe that Christ Jesus died for my sins. I believe that I have a power to speak life over death and see things change. I believe. I believe. I believe. I have that power. And with that power, I'm going to make my life be what it is God has called it to be. And with that power. I'm going to transform and I'm going to change the situations and circumstances around me. With that power, I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring protection. I'm going to bring deliverance. I'm going to make whole. I'm going to prophesy. With that power flowing from my belly, out of my mouth, into my life, I'm going to see circumstances change. With that power. With that power, church, we can do all things that Christ has called us to. With that power. Listen, church, I got to go. I got to go. I got more. I got more, but I got to go. I got to go. I just want to leave you with knowing that Christ has called you to live life royally, to live life abundantly. He has, and he will, always cause us to be triumphant, always cause us to be victorious, always. It's up to us, church. It's up to us. It's up to us. God is with us. He's promised us that. But we have to take what God has left for us to do. We got to pick it up. And we got to run with it. And we got to go forth and possess the life God has called us to possess. Listen, I need you to share this podcast. I need you to like it. I need you to comment on it. I need you to ask questions because, listen, not only our life, not only your life, but the life of your loved ones. And fulfilling what God has for them is dependent upon them walking by faith and not by religious, the religious cultures of, of, of today. You need it. I need it. They need it. So let's share this word. Join me. Consider partnering with me to get this word to reach a million. Listen, I want, I want, to, I want to make a million disciples. I want to have disciples all over this globe, all over the world. I want to have disciples everywhere. Go to our website, DamarisJohnson.com. Find out more information on how you can partner with me 
to empower the next generation. The next, I mean, I'm, I want disciples. I want disciples before they're 18. I want young disciples. I want disciples before they're 18. I want people to be, I want, I want believers to be established in the word of God before they're 18 years old. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he knew what he was called to do. He knew what God had called him to be. He knew what God had called him to possess. But I'm 18 years old. I mean, 12 years old. I'm saying by 18. By 18. So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna create a, I wanna create a million disciples by the time they're 18 years old, so that they can see life the way God has called them to see it. Thank you, God bless you. Declare this with me. Say, I am. I'm sorry. Say, I will live by faith. God bless you. I'll see you next time right here on the Faith Life.